We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. the Tuesday, November 10th edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast Week 9. It's in the books. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and join alongside me as always. Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Before we dive into, obviously, the free agent portion of the podcast and also uh, recapping the Monday Night Football game, I want to get word from our sponsors, PropSwat. Smart sports bettors always know where to find the best odds before placing a bet, and that's why smart bettors use ProSwap. Or I'm sorry, you can, they use PropSwap. You can always find the best odds on PropSwap because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair and then buy it. PropSwap sellers are always willing to negotiate, and we all know bookies never will. And for a limited time, our listeners can get up to $500 in bonus cash. Just use the word or use the promo code ROTO500. That's promo code R-O-T-O-500, and PropSwap will match your first deposit up to $500. Become a smarter sports better today. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. All right. So, Jake, uh, like we said, week nine, already done with uh, entering week 10. We have four different teams on by, Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, Jets. 
only one of these teams is really, really relevant. I mean, you guess uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones kind of stinks. <laughs> Calvin Ridley with his injury yeah. thing. But obviously the Chiefs are going to be the tough one for a lot of fantasy managers to lose. I mean, I own Ridley all over the place. I've got Matt Ryan still in a couple of leagues. I'm relying on Matt Ryan for stake league production. So uh, there there are absolutely some some fantasy assets that are sitting out this week, though. Yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. We've had, I feel like, a lot harder teams in the last two weeks. But again, four bye weeks. We have all the injuries. Uh, of course, new COVID designations because this is the year 2020. One of those teams on bye, though, for Week 10 was the Jets. They did play in this Monday night game against the Patriots. Uh, ultimately choked away the victory because they are the Jets. Uh, still have not gotten a win this year. Jacoby Myers is kind of the biggest takeaway for me. I'm not sure how much of the Patriots-Jets you watch, Jake, but... I put myself through all of it. Oh, okay, it's, good it's for like, you. It's like my Monday night routine. I sit down, I make the outline for this show, and then I uh, and then 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 I just watch Monday night football, even if it's a couple of turds playing. You know, it's okay. Well, I was playing Rotowire hoops uh, throughout most of the game, and I was completely fine missing. But Myers really was the breakout star for this one, and I'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. just because Julian Edelman is out and going to be out for an extended time. He's on injured reserve, or if Myers just sort of developed into Cam Newton's go-to player. But there actually was more production than left on the table. It was a wide open pass Newton missed that was. Deep deep for Myers that probably puts him over the 200 yard mark but he had 10 catches 160 plus yards I, like I mean I started him in stake league this weekend he's the reason why I was the number one score on my side of things it's I, I think the Jacoby Myers thing is a real deal and we talked about him last week as a pickup but at this point he needs to be 50% owned and higher um, in the Yahoo formats and I almost wonder if you have to start him next week although he's going against the Ravens I love, love, love the 14 targets. There's no doubt about that. I mean, caught 12 of them for 169 yards. Incredibly productive, 14.1 uh, yards per catch there. That's all great. But I like anybody on this Patriots team that you get excited about this week, you need to pump the brakes here. It is the Jets. It's the Jets, guys. You know, they're going to have much tougher matchups. Cam Newton's, you know, he looked good. The final numbers line looked good. Yeah. Some of the passes, not so great. You mentioned he missed some open wide receivers. Uh, those are mistakes that you can't afford to make against a team like the Ravens. And I think there are going to be a lot of people that throw Jacoby Myers out there, give him a start. But, you know, some of them, you might be a little bit disappointed this week because he is uh, their number one pass catcher here. I mean, Demir Bird was second here with nine targets, caught five for 65. Uh, Ravens are going to give him a little more attention. They've seen this on the film. Uh, they're going to be able to defend it a little bit better. Does that mean, you know, Myers can't get seven catches for 80 yards? Absolutely not. He could do that. And, you know, that's absolutely startable wide receiver territory here. But you just, the stat line looks good, but you can't get too excited about a performance. I'll say it again against the Jets. Yeah, and, and everyone starts like a guy like Jameson Crowder, for example, and it's you know his name comes to mind because he, they played the Jets. But you, you start Crowder for his 5 for 45 uh, numbers and hope that you get more than that. And sometimes you do. This this week we didn't. He did catch a touchdown pass, but that was mm-hmm. about it. It was actually Denzel Mims and Rashad Perriman that were the key for Joe Flacco. But like that that's where I think the floor for Myers is most weeks. Now, uh, that, that means to me in a full-point PPR league, he's a very easy wide receiver three. And probably for the yeah. duration that uh, Edelman is out. And we don't really know what that is going to look like because they've been yeah. uh, ambiguous with that return. Of, of course they have. Right, it's uh, the Patriots. The one thing I'll say about the Jets, though, the unique thing about this whole game flow um, was, it, it, you know, in the second half, they were, of course, leading. They went into halftime with the 20-10 to 10 lead, and, and they were leading in the second half. I think in the fourth quarter, the Jets played, like, four offensive snaps, it was. It was something like that. You know, they let the Patriots go down, take this long seven, eight-minute drive. Then they got the ball back and uh, went for a deep ball to uh, Mims right away, and Flacco threw a pick. And the Patriots got the ball back again. Long, long drive. 
Mm-hmm. Jets get the ball back three and out, you know, and then, you know, the Patriots get the ball back with 55 seconds here to go for, you know, that, that quick field goal. And, and it was a Newton to Myers pass. That was actually looked pretty well. Set it up, yep. that, that, that set, that set the thing up. So these Jets pass catchers should have had more targets coming their way, but they just didn't touch the ball at all in the second half. Uh, so that explains it a little bit, but I don't know. I think it's the Flacco Perriman situation. For some reason, they could never connect in Baltimore, but now they're here connecting. That's a good one. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. They could never do it in Baltimore, and now they're here in New York. Uh, but the thing is, is how long here, I mean, are we really giving Flacco? What do we know about Darnold's injury? Darnold, well, he we... said he was day to day, actually. We just got a report just a little bit earlier that Sam Darnold lists himself as day to day. But of course, the Jets are on a bye week, so mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. It almost seems likely that he is going to play. Um, the following week, I don't know who they have yeah. for week 11, but he, he should be, Darnold should be available. But it's worth pointing out that we really haven't seen Darnold and Perriman play. Perriman was injured to begin mm-hmm. the year and really kind of coincide now with yeah. Darnold out, Perriman in. Mm-hmm. These were uh, these were season highs across the board for Perriman. So I don't, obviously with the bye week coming up and the fact that he's just a Jets player in general, people probably aren't rushing to the waiver wire to pick him. Neither am I. I still, even though it wasn't necessarily Crowder this week and Mims is getting a little bit more action, I, I'm also not necessarily cutting Crowder in the two, three leagues that I have him. I'm not rushing to do that either. So. No, I think actually Perriman and Mims should be rostered in, in a lot of different formats. Maybe like your 10-team leagues, I don't think Mims should, because I think the Perriman upside you'll see was mm-hmm. probably the highest we'll get for Monday night. Um, but Mims, I don't I don't think has that same tor- sort yeah. of ceiling. But I, you know, like the same reason that we like different teams, like the Falcons, for example, right? Like only Zacchaeus, like there we go, got close to it. Um, like he, he was productive because the Falcons are generally really bad defensively and trailing mm-hmm. often, so they can pass a lot. I think the same thought process can kind of apply to at least one of the Jets wide receivers, but it doesn't feel like there's two or three. Whether it be Perriman or Crowder or Mims, one will do well every single week because the circumstances allow it. But we just have to hope that two or three do, and, and maybe this is the Jets offense sort of turning it around. Um, or it's just a bad Patriots team, which I kind of think is that situation. Yeah, with all those uh, COVID exemptions they had at the start of the year, this isn't the typical Patriots defense that we're used to here. I just, the thought of having three rosterable wide receivers on the Jets makes me a little bit sick. I think we need to move on. Yeah, well, and there was one other crucial bit of information. If you weren't watching that game, Damian Harris left the game late with an injury. I think he got banged kind of in the third quarter, came back, got hurt again. Um, Maybe it's a possible situation where Harris misses time. If that happens, uh, well, Sonny Michelle is close to return from IR. Actually sounds like this next week or like this week against the Ravens, he will be available. But we've seen Michelle also be available, and they still use a guy like Rex Burkhead, too, who had a decent game. He had 50-plus rushing yards and a touchdown. Like, are you at all interested in Burkhead, or are you worried about the Ravens matchup? Yeah, well, I mean, if, you, if you're going after Rex Burkhead, I think you're just hankering for disappointment here. Uh, the main reason is the committee. Um, and, he, and, yeah, Rex Burkhead looked good in the running game. But, again, I think that was part of the specific game plan here where you got Belichick kind of being a move ahead. I mean, the, the telecast noted it multiple times where – Okay, we're gonna we're the Jets, Greg Williams. We're gonna prepare for Cam Newton read options, right? Not at all what the Patriots ran. You know, they ran kind of zone runs with Burkhead and uh, and, and Harris, and and they were both getting a lot of it. But the game plan could totally get upended the, the next week. Um, will Harris be back? Won't he be back? Um, you know, we're not sure. He was given questionable to return at the time, so nothing too crazy. And then, yeah, and then Sony Michelle's just gonna gum up the works a little bit more. James White is still around, not like he's getting carries at all this year, but, you know, there's just too many options to really want to attack this backfield. And, yeah, Rex Burkhead had a good game, but, you know, it might be two, three, four weeks before another good game. And, of course, like you said, he's got the Ravens. So um, the lesson to learn here is, yeah, a lot of these waiver wire guys look good, um, but 
outside of maybe Myers, I'm not really rushing anybody here. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Let's move on to the quarterbacks. We talked enough about a Jets, Patriots, Monday Night Football game. Again, we have four teams on by Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, Jets. Among those, you're probably starting Mahomes and Matt Ryan. So maybe two quarterbacks that you'll have to figure out. Um, we have some injuries and COVID stuff that maybe is factoring in as well. But I think this is going to be a lesser need interest for the quarterbacks, which is probably good because I think there's actually one very clear, uh, relevant streaming quarterback option this week, and, and you might not have to worry about contending with other people because mm-hmm. they're going to have their quarterback situation set. So we'll go over the guys again um, for you know new listeners to the show. We really try to focus on players under 50% rostered in Yahoo format. So a guy like Derek Carr at 42% fits that threshold. He goes to the Broncos this week. We have Teddy Bridgewater at 41%. Breeze did totally fine against the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. Well, Bridgewater has the Buccaneers this week. Um, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Tua, Rivers, Locke, Foles, of the like the obvious starting quarterbacks, they all fit into that category. Mm-hmm. There's one guy I really like out of, the, out of this list. Is there anyone that you specifically care for? I think you actually have to start with the guy right at the top that you mentioned, Derek Carr. I mean, He's got the Broncos, who you think of as a solid pass defense, but they've had their bumps and bruises this year, and they're ranked 24th in a standard fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks here. Uh, so, you know, that's a matchup that you might want to target a little bit more than than normal. And the other thing with uh, Carr is the wide receivers are messy. Like the pecking order, who's going to get what targets every single week, whether it's Aguilar, whether it's Ruggs, you know, you know, whether it's whether it's Renfro, that type of thing. That's a little bit messy, but. The car production has been pretty steady. Uh, you know, extrapolate his first eight games through a 16-game season here. He's thrown 32 touchdowns and four picks. You know, 16-2 and two right now at the halfway point. He is looking like, uh, when was the last time he had a good year? 2016 Derek Carr when he was uh, <laughs> when he was 28 touchdowns and six interceptions. And this is, the pace that he's put on is even better. I think... Um, you know, I think he's getting into the system. He realizes, uh, you know, his his window to really, you know, make an impact and be make sure he's the quarterback of the future with the new regime. You know, he realizes maybe that's closing a little bit, and uh, he, and he's coming out and he's balling out. And you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he did that against Denver this week. The Chiefs have been a little bit better against the pass, and then after the Chiefs, think of uh, week twelve and thirteen. He's got the he's at Atlanta and at the Jets, so who are both bottom three defenses in the entire National Football League too. So if you're looking ahead for a guy, you might stream like I, I don't know so in my Matt Ryan leagues you know I'm going to uh I'm gonna absolutely have to sit down Matt Ryan I don't think I'm gonna cut Matt Ryan yet mm-hmm. um I'm gonna look for Carr to be my backup and he's a player that I could possibly hold on because you know once you get to weeks 12 and 13 that starts to get a little bit interesting are you starting are you starting Ryan or Carr that's you know that's a really good point and I hadn't thought about it I'm, I'm friends with a the the truest of true Raiders homers that you could possibly find and and I I I mean like he's obnoxious about the Raiders but not to the point where I realized really how good Carr's numbers are and and I've watched a number of Raiders games and they played the Chargers this past week and and there are so many times where I'm like yeah I mean like he's done good stuff but is he really that good and yet you talk about it he could have a, a, a sixteen I mean he does right now sixteen touchdowns to one interception that's pretty impressive and the part about that I, I find impressive it's not just the short dink and dunk throws that we saw primarily last year. The addition of rugs has made a huge difference on the deep ball attack. Aguilar has also been huge. I mean, they burned Casey Hayward twice this past Sunday on deep throws, and that really changed the outcome of that Raiders-Chargers game. So Carr, I think, has quietly developed into a very 
capable fantasy quarterback and to see him under 50% rostered, to me it says people like myself have just not realized what Carr has been doing from a production standpoint. And the fact that he has those juicy matchups to come, that's a huge part of it. I mean, the reason I picked Mm -hmm. up Justin Herbert pretty early on, it's because I looked at the Chargers schedule and I'm like, hey, you could probably start this quarterback for six, seven, eight weeks. And lo and behold, Herbert has developed into a top five, top seven fantasy quarterback. I think Carr over the stretch could also do that. That being said, he is not my favorite pickup this week. It's actually Baker Mayfield, who is currently at 33% rostered. He faces the Texans' defense this week, and we just saw Jake Luton go pretty pretty impressively against that Texans' mm-hmm. defense. Of course, he had two weeks to prepare for it, mm-hmm. but I think Baker Mayfield could have a yeah. really, really good game. Do you buy into the theory that, yeah, he had two weeks to prepare, but also there's not really a whole lot of film out there on Jake yes. Luton? That's got to have some of it, right? Because you know now that now that they're out there, I'm not necessarily running to grab Luton for, no, no, for no. future weeks by any means. So um, I just think... I think Jake Luton is not very good. You know, I, I think Gardner Minshew, for whatever the reason, whether the Jaguars are truly respecting Minshew's injury now as opposed to before, or if they just want to see what they have in their other sixth round pick from this year. I don't know. Like, I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but he performed pretty well against the Texans defense. I think Baker Mayfield is at least average, a little below average, but he has the weapons to be successful. And Nick Chubb is supposedly coming back uh, or, or on the men's to mm-hmm. come back against the Texans this week. Yeah. Now, just be careful. He is on the COVID-19 list. Um, I think it was this weekend that he cropped up on that list, but that's because he was uh, in close proximity yeah. to somebody who tested it, positive yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee that he does have it. In fact, it sounds like it could come off the list as soon as Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Similar to Big Ben, who we'll talk about in a little bit. It seems like it was just an exposure, and then you know we'll, we'll get we'll get him off there. But uh, Baker Mayfield, I, I do like that you mentioned that because he was another name that I absolutely wanted to bring up because you mentioned Nick Chubb coming back. He's getting Austin Hooper back too, which is a which is a valuable weapon here to have at tight end. Uh, that it'll be a solid tight end pickup, you know, when we get to that point in the show here. But uh, yeah, of course he doesn't have Odell Beckham. Um, the only thing is when you, you know you look at Mayfield to Carr uh, necessarily. Carr's been consistent over yes. the last yep. four or five weeks. Baker Mayfield is very volatile. So yep. it all depends on your appetite for risk a little bit, which is why um, I'm going to look to Carr first when I'm picking up my Matt Ryan replacement this week. But uh, but I'm backing those bids up with, you know, zero to one dollar bids on uh, Baker Mayfield and um, – yeah, those are the two guys that I'm definitely looking at first. I will say the very first number or person you should be looking at is Jared Goff. He faces the Seahawks defense this week, and he did not fit our threshold. But I was just checking earlier this morning. He was available in two of my leagues. And again, with how bad the Seahawks defense has been consistently <laughs> against the pass, Goff has to be my number one. I don't know if he'll be available in most of the leagues listening to this. Definitely just check, though. Mm-hmm. Um, that but, was, uh, th- that's a good one that I totally missed because of the threshold. He's only 64% rostered okay. in Yahoo yeah. formats. So, I mean, there's better than a one-third of a chance he's out there. And the other thing is he's just coming off a bye, right? So a lot of teams have dropped him. Um, you know, one of the running backs we're going to mention, he's in a very similar boat over the threshold, but maybe has just been dropped by a lot of teams that is worth getting here. So, so yeah, Goff is absolutely a name worth checking for sure. I just want to play this thought process out just one, a little bit further. So I've been rostering Joe Burrow in a lot of different places, been starting him in just about everyone's, including Stake League, actually. He has the Steelers defense this week. I will gladly start Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield over Joe Burrow. Uh, Burrow also has the Washington franchise in Week 11. 
I think I'm starting Mayfield or, well, I don't know what Mayfield's schedule is in week 11, but I will start Carr in that matchup as well over Burrow. So, like, look ahead because we are to that point now. We are in week entering week 10 of the fantasy season. You should be looking ahead to really and clearly define what matchups can work for your bench and where you'd be comfortable starting guys or not. Like, this is the time to be forward thinking because you should have a, a few more available spots on your roster not having to worry about these buys. Yeah, yeah just to throw on there, Mayfield's uh – rest of season schedule not quite as juicy as cars but not too bad either after the texans this week he go, he's got the uh, eagles who are you know a little bit tougher yeah but then he's got jacksonville and tennessee who are both bottom six against opposing quarterbacks then baltimore so and then you've got the giants who statistically are in the top half and then in week 16 fantasy championship week baker mayfield has the jets so Interesting. Chancey, that sounds like someone I'm going to drop an ad like two or three times if I'm streaming, not necessarily hold through that whole thing because there are some waiver. It's not a huge week for waiver names. I, you know, I. I don't see a ton of number one priorities going here this week, but uh, there are definitely some players out there that'll make your teams better. Unfortunately, we don't, I mean, like we're doing this on Tuesday, so we don't have all the information necessary. Um, we'll get to the running backs more, but mm-hmm. a Mike Davis with Christian McCaffrey's injury or a David John or Duke Johnson with David Johnson's injury. Mm-hmm. Like those guys could be relevant names right now. I think you can actually really scrounge by and get some extra points from the quarterback position. The one other guy I really wanted to bring up, I mean, like you could talk about Drew Locke, um, who's gotten great garbage time production the last two weeks. I don't really want to discuss that one, but I actually think Tua in the start against the Chargers this week mm-hmm. could be a relevant name. We just saw Derek Carr do decent things against them. I think Tua has the weapons and capability to take advantage of that Chargers defense. He's the guy that I think sneaks into my top 15, top mm-hmm. 12 overall fantasy quarterback scores this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked uh, Tua up a couple weeks ago in our 14-team staff league, mm-hmm. you know, that one we do on Yahoo. And uh, obviously Mahomes is my quarterback. That was more of a block move for other people. But I'm going to have to use Tua this week. And I think he's good. I think it'll be mm-hmm. a good start. Yeah, and I, and I have no intentions of dropping him after that. And the other benefit of Tua is you can make a the argument can be made that he hasn't hit his ceiling yet and sure. it's far from it you know obviously a ceiling as a player you know you're gonna have to wait five years to see maybe but uh you know his ceiling in 2020 hasn't even been hit yet so uh yeah for that reason you know you could pick him up and maybe he comes out and he shows out and then next week his roster ship 60 65 percent and we can't even talk about him so you, you're getting a player on the upswing there whereas with Carr and mayfield pretty much know what we're getting at this point yeah let's just quickly run over the two qb leagues we saw nick mullins struggle against the packers he faces the saints this week by all indications right now he's the starter although maybe cj bethard could come in we've seen bethard play Mm -hmm. at times this year jake luton against the packers this week again luton did better than we would have thought against uh the texans defense dj char uh, dj shark has kind of got his thing going on right now too which is good Mm -hmm. to see um as a dj shark investor but I don't know how great I feel about Luton's chance against the Packers. And Alex Smith uh, appears to be the starting quarterback for the Washington franchise. Kyle Allen had that gruesome leg injury uh, in that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Dwayne Haskins needs to be the starter, but we're going to keep doing this Alex Smith thing, so that's great. And then Mason Rudolph, he could potentially start as well. There's a chance that Big Ben can come back from the COVID list. It sounds like, again, much like the Baker Mayfield situation, uh, Roethlisberger was near somebody who tested positive, was a high-risk, close-contact guy, yep. but did not test positive for himself. Mm-hmm. He has to pass a, pass a number of tests, but he could still, at least based on the timeline, do so in advance of Sunday's game. I mean, the, yeah. they have another good matchup, the, uh, the mm-hmm. Steelers do, so that would be ideal yeah. if Big Ben could play. Yeah, these guys are on the board a little bit. I mean, if, if you're in, in that position. Uh, Big Ben, you know, there's a joke somewhere about here about a walking boot that maybe goes up to his knees. I think he got both <laughs> knees twisted up a little bit. He actually left that game. Uh, Came back. Came he did back. His, yeah, he does know, his whole regular it's, thing. It's a pretty classic Roethlisberger thing. I mean, 
if you look to if you look to Mason Rudolph, Nick Mullins, Jake Luton, and Alex Smith, um, you know, I made that comment about Luton on film. Now that there's film out there, you know, I think people are going to be able to figure him out a little bit more. Mullins will be in and out of the game, maybe. You know, I mean, if he plays anything like he did against the Packers, who were, you know. They're banged up in the secondary. And if Jair's aren't. healthy, I feel mm-hmm. I feel really good about the Packers game. Exactly. But if if they don't have Jair to match up against Shark, that that yeah. could be difficult. And mm-hmm. Lavisca Chenault left Sunday's game. That's another weapon away from the Jaguars' passing attack. That yeah. I, I would be concerned from a Packers mm-hmm. fan. But if Jair's available, that's going to be a tough one for Luton. Yeah. I mean, out of the two quarterback leagues, I mean, Alex Smith is the guy. <laughs> I think against the Lions, you can make a case though for like someone. If you're getting down to this type of tier, you can maybe make a case for Nick Foles. He's only 10% rostered against the Vikings. Again, they've got running back injuries that we'll talk about in a second here, but uh, they're a surprisingly high percentage passing team, the Bears are, and the Vikings secondary as, uh, you know, they've been just as ravaged mm-hmm. as anyone as Atlanta, uh, you know, injuries, Atlanta and the Vikings are the two secondaries that come to mind when I think, okay, who's the worst secondaries in the league? Okay, these guys are both still starting right. third stringers for the most part, you know, and they're not healthy. So foals, but, you know, you're going to, you have to have an appetite for some horribleness before <laughs> that too. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. All right, let's move over to the running back position. Much like if you were uh, talking quarterbacks, Jared Goff has to be the first one you check. Check to see if Mike Davis is available. At the moment, he's still rostered in 73% of the leagues, but he was one of the most dropped players in Yahoo leagues last week. Um, Christian McCaffrey came back at an excellent game and then appeared to injure his shoulder on the last play. They're calling it day-to-day, but you look at the actual, like, Injury itself, it sure seems like it's a two to four week thing. Um, so that well, begins. Didn't he, didn't he come back into the game too after originally getting shaken up? It I thought it was weird. the very last play of the game where he got shaken up again. I mean, the, it's possible. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. The timeline of that was weird. There was a lot of weird timeline things too, like Justin Jackson, the Chargers running back, injured himself on either the first or second play of the game. And then the Chargers said he was back and able to play, but then he didn't actually play. Like there's there's a lot of that that I felt like occurred that's kind of abnormal for the NFL season. Just check to see if Mike Davis is available. I don't think this is going to be a super serious deal with McCaffrey, but we've seen Davis be incredibly productive as the sole mm-hmm. guy. Um, now, that yeah. was kind of without the emergence of Curtis Samuel. We're going to talk about the wide receivers a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. but just just check with Mike Davis. And exactly. similarly, we need to keep the status of David Johnson in our minds as well. He is in concussion protocol. If Johnson misses the game, David Johnson, Duke Johnson becomes, I think, a number one waiver wire pickup because of what mm-hmm. his role could be. And they face the Cleveland defense, who has been good with Miles Garrett, just doing Miles Garrett stuff. Mm-hmm. But overall, like they're not that intimidating of a defense to play. Yeah, no, no, I would agree. There's a lot of uh, whole situational things going on. Uh, you know, I just want to start touch on Mike Davis real quick. I'm guessing that the leagues that he were that he was dropped in were mostly ten team leagues. Yes, because you know you can afford to drop somebody like that. Um, he should be picked back up in ten team leagues too this week because again. We're guessing right now on Tuesday, you know, it happens, but uh, I would guess we see Mike Davis reps. I'm very glad I didn't part ways in my 12-team league. I will be starting him this week in my flex uh, for sure. Um, And then, like you said, again, Tuesday podcast, man. So Duke Johnson, David Johnson, concussion protocol. I think Duke becomes possibly one of the top overall pickups here because we kind of throw Mike Davis only being 27% available. We kind of throw him out of that list. So Duke Johnson, I think, becomes the top overall pickup unless David Johnson's, you know, passes all his protocol. It's a similar situation in Chicago. David Montgomery is in concussion protocol. Um, Would that make technically Cordero Patterson the next man up? Or do they keep, you know, Cordero Patterson? It's it's Nall. Do they keep Cordero Patterson in that shifty kind of role and then go to somebody like Ryan Nall? Yeah. Um, 
man, Ryan Nall just it just doesn't interest no, me. No, at no all, not, nothing about that's yeah. enticing. I, exactly. I absolutely agree. But there are there are a lot of concussion related situations here that are, are that are definitely worth monitoring. And uh, you know, so there there are more injuries. This is a tough week for running backs because we can give you all the names, but in two days it's, the whole landscape will probably change depending on who's in and who's out. Yeah, I mean, like continuing that trend. The, uh, Wayne Gallman has scored three consecutive weeks. I've had to start him in stake league in two of the three weeks. Should have started three. Starting, we're in separate stake leagues. So yes. fortunately, we started both yes. Wayne Gallman owners. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's scored in three consecutive weeks, but Devonta Freeman is going to be maybe close to returning. We saw Alfred Morris, of all people, rush for 60-plus yards this past week as well. I think if Freeman is back, he is the guy for the Giants. And I think actually Freeman becomes somebody that is also – uh, available in a lot, a lot of different leagues that if you were really pressed to start running back, mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse than Devonta Freeman, much in the same way as Wayne Gallman. So monitor that situation. If Freeman's out, I think you can again start Gallman uh, in your deeper leagues at running back number two and, and feel comfortable with mm-hmm. it. The only thing with any Giants running backs is you've got Philadelphia this week, then a bye week, then the Bengals, which is great, and then you know not too many great matchups the rest of the way out. So you know nothing's jumping out on paper. Again, it's a short term thing. The one that I think of maybe is a little bit of a long term thing that I put on this list. I, we've mentioned him on the show plenty of times before, but JD McKissick. You have to think about that. It seems like Alex Smith just is anti Antonio Gibson for whatever reason, and I think that a real big reason is pass protection. You know, you get these younger guys that struggle a little bit in pass protection. McKissick's, uh, you know, he's not a name that's been in, in fantasy landscapes for a long time, but he's been around the league. Remember him in Seattle? You know, the last time Chris Carson was injured years ago, so he's been around and he seems to get it in pass protection because he's generally the third down back mm-hmm. to begin with here over Antonio Gibson. So. I don't have any Antonio Gibson shares. If you were in that spot, it's very difficult because I have a tough time seeing, you know, trotting him out there as a starter uh, while Alex Smith is there. But, I mean, J.D. McKissick, we've talked about this a bunch of times. I mean, he's he's just steady. He's steady. He's actually been one of my more relevant pickups in our Dynasty League that we share, and you are in second place right now. Kudos to you. I'm climbing up the standings. I'm number four. I was, like, at the bottom half, but I'm number four right now, so I'm chasing you. And, of course, there's no money on the line for this that one because, yeah. they're you know, we, we did it for – COVID-related reasons that we were going to not have a really legitimate season. But still, I mean, like, I have McKissick in there, and he's been one of my top pickups um, for a running back spot that I was really ha- uh, hemorrhaging with waiting on J.K. Dobbins. My equivalent has been LaMichael P. Ryan with a little bit of Travis Homer Okay, yeah. I mean, like, McKissick has a ton of value, especially in a full-point PPR league with Alex Smith as the quarterback. The one concession I want people to understand, though, is Smith did not look good. I mean, he, he he just is not an NFL-relevant quarterback right now. Certainly for the feel-good story, I understand it. And from Washington's perspective— Comeback player of the year sure, already. do it. You know, like if you want to start Alex Smith for the rest of the season, I understand you're not going anywhere anyway. So get some positive publicity for once if you're Washington. But I really believe Dwayne Haskins is the better quarterback right now. And if Haskins plays, maybe McKissick falls down that value. You're talking about a guy that's 24% roster right now. It's not like 50% where you have to make a really tough decision. Like you could pick him up and at least have him on your bench. And if you have to spot start, you have to spot start. So I I like him as a a kind of relevant name in full point PPR. We could go down a few more of these lists. I mean, another injury related thing, Gus Edwards has been getting touchdowns, getting a few carries, but there's a possibility of Mark Ingram coming back. Maybe that makes a difference. I wonder with ineffectiveness from Mark Ingram's perspective, and the, and I talked about all offseason too, he basically has one year left in his contract. There's no guarantee left on it after this season. So they could cut him out right and, and move on to Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards. Why not kind of see that era start a little bit early and, and fade Ingram even if he is healthy? Like I, 
I don't know how much of a leader and veteran aspect you need to have to give Ingram carries. We've seen Frank Gore for have way too many carries the past five years under that same pretenses. Yeah, but I I, I think Gus Edwards is kind of emerging as a yeah okay he seems to be the real deal at least as a goal line back. Like that's what see, Jordan Howard wished he could be. Yeah, see, so I put Gus Edwards further down on this list because he's you know I always have that play every week where I'm like man I see him come up really high on all these mm-hmm. lists but I'm not really so sure because you know. Yeah, sure, he's 37% rostered. He's been getting touches, I guess. But, you know, even last week, his snap share was 37.5%. Uh, the week before, week 8, 31.7%. He's never actually had over 44% of the snap share in any given week in Baltimore this mm-hmm. this year. And that's with a lot of Ingram time, of course, in there. Ingram comes back. You think that's going to change suddenly? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you in philosophy that teams being smart, maybe don't need to use a guy like Ingram necessarily. But he's going to come in there and get five carries a game. And what does that leave for Edwards? To me, not a whole lot necessarily. He's at New England, Tennessee, at Pittsburgh, Dallas. I mean, there's some decent matchups ahead, but I just don't think you can count on the volume there necessarily. So Edwards is a guy that probably won't be in my fat bids this I week. would rather have Gallman if we assume Freeman's not going to play. I'd rather have Freeman if he is going to play. I would also rather have McKissick, even in a standard scoring. Yep. I think right now I would agree. Um, where McKissick is at, I would, I would have the point. And certainly Duke Johnson I think, if David Johnson yeah, is out. I mean, you know, we're throwing Mike Davis out, but Duke Johnson's number one running back pickup this week? Yes, I, now, I think I, I think. So. Almost certainly. Um, and, and the reason why David Johnson being out matters, or like with the concussion, I could see it happening more than, let's say, David Montgomery, because David Johnson has a pretty extensive injury history. Now, not all was concussion-related, but like if you're going to have one guy sit out a little bit weak, let's have the guy that has had so many injuries over his career as opposed to David Montgomery, who kind of is the, um, I guess I'd say, the soul of the Bears running game. It's not like Ryan Nall or Cordell Patterson are going to be able to do David Montgomery stuff. And Montgomery even hasn't been effective. Yeah. So, and I mean, Johnson's seen basically a quarter or more of the snapshot the last the, the four weeks leading right. up to the bye anyway. Right. So, yeah, he's not someone you, you throw out there and, um, and, and expect – to give you even even six to eight fantasy points when David's out there, but it's there, so there's some value there. And then who knows? Maybe they maybe they even things out a little bit if Duke is able to perform well and take advantage of this opportunity. There's one other name we should probably mention. Salvad Ahmed uh, appears to be getting some of the workload from the Dolphins' perspective. Now that's a hairy situation altogether. Jordan Howard got ten carries for nineteen yards. I mean, Howard is horrible right now, but they're still giving the ball. Matt Breida was out this game, but we feel like he could be healthy. The Dolphins traded for uh, Washington from the, the Chiefs the week before, and we know all of this goes away in three weeks when Miles Gaskins comes off mm-hmm. IR. But the Dolphins are competitive right now. They need as many good players on the field offensively as possible because they have aspirations for the playoffs. Like maybe this is a situation where you could get by with an Ahmed start. Yeah, for me, Ahmed's like the zero dollar bid. You back all these guys up with just in case. There's just there, there's too many things going against him. Well, I guess I'll start with the things that are going for him. Out of all the running backs in Miami this week, he had the highest snap share, forty six percent. He also ran ten routes, which is significantly higher yeah. than the others. Now, if Matt Breida comes back, I think. That all goes away. I think Breida does that stuff, right? Yeah, Breida does that stuff, and uh, you, you know, Breida runs the routes, shifty third down type of guy. Whereas, uh, whereas Howard still takes the plotting. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm going to run the ball on first down and not be creative and get my two yards, kind of the Jets style. Um, that that that's Jordan Howard here. So I don't know if there's a role for Selvan Ahmad in there, but he's yeah, at bottom of the barrel. He's the guy you mentioned. Um, Kalen Blage had sixty plus, or he had eighty total eighty. 84 total yards and a touchdown. Mm. I want people to understand, no, it's not Kalen Balazs' season. Uh, Justin Jackson was ruled out after like the third play of the game or, or came back but didn't do anything um, and then was out afterwards. Uh, Tremaine Pope, who we actually talked a little bit about on the podcast the week before, 
was out with a concussion as well. Austin Eckler still isn't nearing his return. Basically, it, it's this is confirmation that Joshua Kelly should be dropped in a lot of different formats. He had the most snap share of the Chargers running backs at 54% mm-hmm. and still had less total yards than Balazs. And we know how bad Balazs is. So like that, yeah. that should be confirmation. Done with uh, Joshua Kelly. He can maybe get some perspective from a PPR, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm out. But don't pick a Balazs. You know, is, is Balazs another Gase victim, though? In a way, does he get a bad rap because Possibly. he had too many, too many reps under Gaze? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I think he's bad. So. I, I really think the Chargers scheme is a really good running scheme, and kind of like how Kyle Shanahan makes a lot of running backs work, the Chargers can too. Uh, and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that Austin Eckler is like overrated in any means. I think Eckler is incredibly talented. But they have different facets for those running backs, and they really are rigid with it. And Kelly is there uh, – like, Guy that does stuff that you the defense can know. All right, yeah, he's going to get a run right away, or he's going to be in blocking right away. You can like he's the tell for the defense perspective. I don't think that applies to Pope or Justin Jackson or Blage. You kind of get like, oh, I'm not sure what this guy is going to do, and that's where uh, he was effective against the Raiders this past week. Don't buy into the hype; it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, running backs to drop. You had you had listed Singletary <laughs> on this. I mean, we, it's fine. I, I, I have my I have my rage. I have my rage. <laughs> situation here where it's like well i mean moss is getting the the carries at least in the red zone at least right. it seemed like yeah. to me um you know i'll go back and forth i'm not actually going to drop singletary the only spot I, I i roster him is a you know a 14 team stake league mm-hmm. and, and it's just too deep to drop a guy like that but man he's been frustrated well i was frustrated by Jamichael hasty i mean the packers defense is bad we know the Packers' defense is bad, and yet McKinnon somehow gets to go ahead and get that work on Thursday night and gets the junk time production touchdown at the end instead of Hasty. Like, what was that? I yeah. was I, I had started Hasty in a few different spots because I had to, but I also thought he'd do well, and he did absolutely nothing. I rarely play showdown, but I'm like, oh boy, this is way too juicy to not make a showdown lineup for Hasty. This is way too, uh, you know, Jordan Reed's going to score twice against the Packers. Sure, this yeah, week, you know, and of course, you know, when neither you have of them those guys, nothing like that happens. Um, yeah, Hasty's interesting. Because I saw Tevin Coleman pop up as a list of you know to be on the radar for yeah. some people. Maybe you know Mostert's not going to be out forever. You know, McKinnon's still around, and he, McKinnon was the guy on Thursday night. Maybe he just works better in the Mullins-led offense here. Um, it's an ugly committee there, and I'm not sure I want any part of it. Uh, like one of those guys is going to go off and be a a probably RB one mm-hmm. each week. But I cannot guess which one it's going to be, and it really is guessing yeah. right and now. There's no science. Go to off it. is like 16 carries for 70 yards, maybe coin toss to see. If yeah, he, he scores touchdown a touchdown, right? Yeah, like I, I, it's just, it's just frustrating. I'm out on Hasty, um, dropping him just about everywhere. I'm also dropping Le'Veon Bell. Now I wasn't super high on Bell anyway. In fact, he was a pickup when frustrated Jets roster managers were dropping him. Um, but there's there's no reason to be rostering Le'Veon Bell at this point. Mm-hmm. Not that Edward Solaire's done much either, I mean, but Bell's you, done. You roster Bell, I think, for the same reasons you were rostering. You know, your Tony, Tony Pollard, Pollard, yeah, Alexander Madison, yep. uh, Deontay Foreman is a name I saw come up a couple times. Sure, because well, Jeremy McNichols actually seems like the backup to to Derrick Henry. Yeah, that that's it's it's tough trying to pick that out. Yeah. You know, Foreman was a guy that came in with a lot of hype as a rookie, and injuries kind of derailed his career. Maybe having one last push, or you know, maybe he'll. Just end up in you know non fantasy relevance. That's land. a good we'll point see. for the the backup reason for Bell. I, like I'm sure a lot of people are we're still thinking Bell. Hey, the Steelers stud running back for sure he's going to get involved. That's gone. But you're right. If Edward Solaire was to get hurt, 
Bell probably does a, a decent amount of stuff. I mean, they just haven't been using running backs very effectively in that offense yeah. this whole year. So it's kind of weird. It was just week one, and, and that was about it. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Before we do, let's get a sponsor uh, read from BetMGM. Football is in full sp- uh, it is in full swing, and new customers at BetMGM Sports can keep the season rolling with a 100% deposit match up to $500. Simply sign up and make a deposit with the bonus code ROTOWIRE to take advantage of this offer. There's never been a better time to get in the action at BetMGM with parlay bonuses, uh, live betting, daily boosted odds specials, and a lot more. Don't let one minute of the NFL season pass you by. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code ROTOWIRE to double your betting bankroll with a 100 deposit match up to $500. You must be 21 years or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please make sure to gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer also not available in Nevada. Okay, so we talked about the wide receivers like Rager, uh, Marvin Jones. He had a touchdown. Marvin Hall wasn't effective. Uh, Jacoby Myers was on that list from last week. Anthony Miller had decent amount of targets. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, had the COVID list, and of course, it was uh, Richie James that ended up emerging as the guy mm-hmm. on Thursday. And Sterling Shepard, which we thought could maybe make a difference now with Golden Tate getting his hissy fit and ruled out as a healthy and active mm-hmm. on Sunday. Like the list for wide receivers, I think, is less lengthy, but might be more top heavy. And it first mm-hmm. goes with our guy, Alan Lazard, at 38% rostered. It sounds like he is ready to come back from that core surgery that I think has kept him out now four weeks, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. He was really close to return um, Thursday against the Niners, and they just decide, no, we'll keep him out. Um, but I think Lazard as a capable wide receiver, too, is exactly what Aaron Rodgers needs right now. And he should be picked up in a lot of different places. Yeah, so against the 49ers, you know, the showdown winners were playing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who, you know, went off for a couple touchdowns, had that wide, wide Wide open play. You know, it was... uh, I was going to say the drop earlier on. And then he made up for a wide, wide open (laughs) touchdown, where he was almost under it too long. I was just like, oh, no, oh, no. He's Uh, dropped those in the past. So, I mean, as Packer (laughs) fans, you can sit here, you've seen this before. It was like a... Yes. Okay, he caught it. So so anybody that's not... in our Green Bay bubble here. Um, Marcus Veldes-Scantling, I'm very skeptical that he suddenly turned a corner here necessarily. You know, he's a couple more drops away from Aaron Rodgers putting him in like Jeff Janis. I'm not going to look your way again, Land. <laughs> That's um, a good name, yeah. So uh, so if you're going to go for the Packers wide receiver, ignore the box score and pick up Alan Lazard because he was the clear-cut number two, mm-hmm. um, you know, before his injury and situation. But I actually want to backtrack a little bit because I think the number one overall pickup here not a, is, not, is not any running back and is not any receiver, you know, that I have listed as new guys this week. I think it's Jalen Rager. I, he's only 24% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Of course, they're coming off the buy, so that didn't help uh, the situation a ton. Um, I think he becomes the number one wideout in that team. Uh, you know, I love the pure skill set here. And, you know, when we're looking at the running backs, whether it's Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, Wayne Gallman, you know, Cordero Patterson, McKissick's the only exception in someone who I think can have value rest of season. I mean, Rager's a guy that can be your wide receiver two or three for the rest of your season, you know, if everything goes as planned like we're expecting here. And and then and that's a game changer. So that makes him the number one pickup here. And I don't think you're necessarily even going to have to spend 12% of your fab if he's out there. I mean, if you're in a sharper league, I, I ran through all my leagues to try to get some Rager. Up. I, yeah, he's gone. But 24%, that means three quarters of the leagues out there, he's there. I, I'd pick him up in uh, even, even in your 10-team leagues. 
because there's a spot for it. I like that a lot. And I'll, I'll, the reason I, I think you should be reinforced by your opinion on this, I think I'd still have Duke Johnson as my number one guy if we knew David Johnson was out, but we don't know that. So right now we're kind of going off the yeah. assumption David it's, Johnson it's plays. It's A, we don't know it, and B, you know, it's not like it's a soft issue issue in, injury for David Johnson. Right. It's a concussion. So even if he is out, like I said, it's, 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 it's a one-week thing. Right. And then you, and then you're kind of back to Duke, maybe getting a couple of third-down targets, you know, not really getting the way the carries, running back position doing is, Duke Johnson stuff. Yeah, the way the running back position is, I just want – Anybody that starts and has the full workload, even for one week, and that matters to me, especially mm-hmm. in week ten. But it could be week four, week twelve. I don't, I don't care. I just want that guy. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that for certain. Yeah. Well, but the, the show. So we're doing the show on Tuesday. You know, centered with a lot of uh, waiver pickups being Tuesday night. The last two, three, four weeks, there's been someone on Thursday, Friday that suddenly pops up. That pops yes. up. Yes. So if you've got a number one waiver claim, and again, oh, number one waiver claim on Rager, probably. Um, but. But you know, you know, Rager's going to be around here. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the the whole situation with these other guys, it could completely. I mean, how many times did you use a high waiver claim or a high bid on Carlos Hyde? You know, waiting for uh, raise his hand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, raise my hand. I've added and dropped him this season. You know, but then the situation changes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Suddenly, Chris Carson plays, mm-hmm. or suddenly it's DJ Dallas season, or something like that. You know, the the receivers is a little bit more stable, so you get your steady piece. So that that's where I'll make my bid for for Rager, and I'll be good there. Well, I just want to reinforce your point. Um, I I know a lot of people on the RotoWire podcast have talked about this as well, but we added the strength of schedule tool onto the site. It's been a huge thing. Uh, it's very, very visible on the NFL border page if you were to go on the site and look at it. Uh, you look at the wide receivers, rest of season, the Eagles are ranked number five in terms of the best schedule for wide receivers. Now, it's a little bit harder for me to differentiate wide receivers as opposed to running backs where it's very clear or quarterbacks where it's very clear. I mean, like you could have one defense that is really good at shutting down one wide receiver and then struggles against the number two, three, and four guys, but just the fact that the Eagles are ranked number five in terms of overall schedule and in the top 80% uh, in best matchups, that's a big deal to mm-hmm. me. And like, for example, yeah. we talked about Jared Goff this week against the Seahawks. The Rams uh, wide receivers are listed as number one at 100%. Eagles are at 83%. And I think that kind of reinforces, yeah. if you look at their rest of the season schedule, I agree mm-hmm. with our rankings, yeah. and I think that matters. It's Giants, Browns, Seahawks for for Riggers next three games back. And then, you know, then he has the Packers, which is a little bit of a tougher matchup. Then it's Saints, Cardinals, Dallas. And, okay, so rest of season schedule – Washington's apparently the second best against fantasy wide receivers, and they're week seventeen. Most leagues don't play week yeah, seventeen, blame, yeah. so if you slash, this is probably even higher. Slash week seventeen, you know the only the only defense in the top half of the league in terms of opposing points allowed to uh, to wide receivers is the Packers in week thirteen. Otherwise, everyone else is in the bottom half. So. There's for, there's so many reasons, uh, and you know you're getting the upside. I, I think Rager could potentially be a league winner if you go out there and get him now. And don't drop Travis Fulgham either. I mean, like that's that's the other part of this that mm-hmm. um, I don't know if anyone's really oh, considering yeah. that. Even in ten team leagues, hold on to Travis Fulgham. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rager, I think, are going to have huge deals. Um, and in, yeah. I mean, if it's not number one waiver wire yeah. uh, pickup, it's definitely close. Elshon Jeffrey could be easily be the guy that gets parked on the bench throughout this yeah, situation. Absolutely, it wouldn't I, surprise I think, me one bit. I think it's actually more you, of a formality. You, and like, you've got Greg Ward and Arcega White sat around. Someone's going to be inactive, probably. Yeah. But it's definitely not going to be Rager or Fulgham. Yeah. All right. So Lazard, Rager, I think are two top pickups. Obviously, Jacoby Myers as well after his breakout on Monday night mm-hmm. should be in that conversation he plays the Ravens this week. There is one other guy that I really like a bit, and I'm curious to hear your opinions. Curtis Samuel. I have him in our Dynasty League, and I've been kind of 
um, not interested in starting him, and I think he's kind of forced the hand. What mm-hmm. what I thought was just a fill in for Christian McCaffrey, right? Like Samuel just does Christian McCaffrey stuff. It's clear now with McCaffrey back, they still are incorporating Samuels to a major extent in their mm-hmm. offense. He got all nine targets for 105 yards in the score. He carried the ball as well, got three carries. He's been doing that now for the past five or six weeks. I, like I think Curtis Samuel is the real deal. He's only mm-hmm. rostering 30% of the leagues. I think you have to end up picking up, up and you could even start him this week. Yeah, I, I have the luxury of doing the show where I don't necessarily have to rage cut someone. I can rage put them on my hypothetical cut list this <laughs> week. And one of those players was DJ Moore because I just, with McCaffrey back, and we don't know how long that he's going to be back and how long that stays. And maybe it was a game flow thing. Maybe I'm overreacting to a one-game sample size. But Samuels leaped over DJ Moore in terms of targets. And... um I just don't know if there's any way looking back. They're designing plays for Curtis Samuel. Right. They're not doing that mm-hmm. for DJ Moore. Uh, Teddy likes to go to Curtis. You know, he's more comfortable with some of those short, manageable passes. I haven't seen in the amount of Panthers that I've seen this year, which admittedly hasn't been a lot. I haven't seen, uh, you know, Teddy really air it out or go downfield unless he's in those late game situations where he's absolutely had to. So, um, whether McCaffrey plays this week or not, I mean, Curtis Samuel is the guy you pick up. And I'm getting really, you know, get one more, one or two, a few more weeks of uh, DJ Moore with two, three targets. And I, I'm going to, I mean, he's that fantasy purgatory. I don't really actually feel like you can cut him yet, but he's definitely coming out of my starting lineup and oof, it's going to be rough. Yeah. I mean, like he's, I, I really love, I really love the trio of Rager, Lazard, and Samuel all under 40% rostered in the case of Lazard kind of changing that because they're both under 30% Samuel and Rager. Like, I, I think those guys got to be picked up and rostered quite a bit. Um, the like, I mean, we both love Michael Pittman. He kind of came back from injured reserve uh, quietly, I'd say, on Saturday and mm-hmm. had a decent yeah. show up. Four catches, 56 yards, team high seven targets. Now the Colts played the Ravens. Um, that there was pretty obvious game script to limit Philip Rivers, and yet he still sort of lost them the game with the bogus interception in the first half. I'm not sure if you saw that replay or not. Mm. That was oh my god, it was it was bad. Jerry, I had a Popeyes Vidian. chicken break sometime around uh, halftime <laughs> okay. of, of red right. zone. So he well he he tweeted out. I mean, that, I mean, he's a Ravens fan. And he's still saying this is the most egregious uh, bad call I've ever seen. And I I totally agree. But he also had the the oopsie daisy fumble uh, fall down that everyone was laughing at too. Anyway, I, I think Pittman's going to be a guy that you need to have like closer to 25, 30% rostered in leagues. Um, KJ Hamler did some stuff now. Tim Patrick was limited a little bit. Jerry Judy also had a good game. I think Hamler, who had 10 targets this past week, probably falls down a little bit when the Broncos aren't trailing by massive margins and trying to come back. Of course, yes. Um, like, and, and then Richard James, I talked about too, he had a massive game against the Packers. He was really the only wide receiver for the Niners, and that goes away because everyone comes back from COVID list. Yeah, maybe here, maybe Richie James earned a few more snaps. But when you've got Ayuk and Debo Samuel both coming back, I just and and the fact that Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard is probably your quarterback, I just don't think there's a ton of room there. Um, but at least Pittman and Hamler, you know, any kind of league where there's keepers and you can get these guys for zero or one dollars, uh, you know. Chances are maybe they wouldn't have even been dropped. It depends. I've just seen all kinds of rules. Yeah. Like, I'm in a 12 teamer that uh, you get to have two keepers at the value you picked him up at, and uh, you know my keepers aren't necessarily looking great. So you know I'll stash Pittman in that situation to see if he uh, turns things around because you know we'll see how long this Philip Rivers thing goes here. But yeah, Pittman and Camler are kind of in this, are, are in the same boat, kind of bottom of the tier, but guys that I like long term. But you know maybe I'm not hoping for. I don't have super high expectations in the rest of 2020. I'll actually give you a name that I like. 
um, more than Campbell. And, and I like Pittman too, but they do different things. Colts wide receiver to Michael Harris. Now he got called up. This is the second time from the practice squad. He actually was uh, pretty relevant. He had 27 receiving yards on all four of his targets and ran for 28 yards on two different carries. So 56 combined yards. I know that doesn't scream you know, crazy, go ahead and go ahead and target things. But like, if you were in a deep league, um, the 14 team league maybe could be rostered. Uh, I think of like the NFFC where you have uh, 20 man rosters and then 12 people also competing a guy that is getting involved like that on the offensive angle, who is only blocked by like a T Y Hilton or Zach Pascal to do that type of offense. I'm intrigued. I think it matters a little bit, and they face the Titans this week and then have the Titans week 12, Texans 13, uh, Raiders 14. Like Other than the Packers in week 11, that schedule looks pretty promising Colt, from pass yeah. catchers. Colts have, basically, the Colts have the Texans for two fantasy playoff matchups, and, yeah. that, and that's pretty juicy. Um, you it's know, a really, really deep number. I'll admit that I didn't see enough under Michael Harris. I think Marcus Johnson is still available in enough leagues. I'll take the snap share leader first. He was 88.2% compared to 86.8 for Pittman, which is a little bit surprising. I expect Pascal to be up there with him, but he was only 60.3%. And then, of course, we have Hilton coming back, but he's pretty much irrelevant this year. I don't know. Marcus Johnson has enough availability where I'd be, I'd probably be typing his name in first. And I actually do have Marcus Johnson in our 14 team dynasty league. So um, I'm just going to quick look at his availability. Well, Marcus don't, Johnson don't snipe me on to Michael so. Harris because I'm going to go get nope. to Michael Harris. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cut Marcus Johnson. So you go ahead and have him. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I mean, you talked about uh, some guys drop a little bit. I mean, like T.Y. Hilton probably is on that list uh, at this point. I, like you mentioned, Darius Slayton. I don't know. To me, Keelan Cole. Uh, who did absolutely nothing, literally nothing, basically, with LaVisca Chenault, alt, or LaVisca Chenault out with an injury pretty early on for the Jaguars. That, to me, is the done deal. I know Keelan Cole was probably only rostered in like 35% of leagues, yeah. but I had hope uh, it, for him. I'm done. He's completely out with that. And, guys, like, okay, we saw Antonio Brown do something Sunday night. Uh, wasn't very good, but at least he got catches. Don't pick up Des Bryant. There, there's no reason to do this Des well, Bryant. Well, the situation is, is he's still at 26% rostered here. So. Des Bryant. Yes, Des Bryant. I mean, just, so that, that's why zero. I put him on the list because I thought it was obvious that you shouldn't you shouldn't use this guy. I mean, he's basically an emergency option for Baltimore. Cool for him. You know, good story. Yes, Maybe he's just relevant, like Alex you know, at some point, you know. But, but he's not going to make your fantasy team any better. So there's, it's a wasted roster spot, especially, I mean, when they've, you know, when they've got Hollywood underachieving, of course, but so he's still Hollywood Brown. You know, they seem to love Miles Boykin for whatever weird reason. They've got DuVernay, who would actually, we love. <laughs> it would actually pay to get DuVernay <laughs> yes. more snaps, more reps. He could be, you know, Tyreek Hill light if they used him like that. So uh, maybe I'm a little too high on him. But anyway, you know, they've got enough on that roster that Brian's, you know, if you didn't blind player practice squad comparisons there's nothing about bryant that would stand out in 2020 so there's no reason for him to be sucking up a roster spot all right let's move on to the tight ends um we talked about dallas goddard eagles are now off by week goddard should be rostered in just about every format i think now mm-hmm. um we mentioned jordan reed and dwelly we didn't know if reed was going to be available well he was but it was actually ross dwelly that still ended up being the main pass catcher of the tight end group he had 50 plus receiving yards Man. I, like I, I think dwelly is still actually relevant but that's yeah. only because the tight ends are just so brutally bad exactly well goddard is actually only 56 percent what is happening with that i think it's because well the way that this year is going right 
you it's been the most active year for transactions among fantasy managers. Mm-hmm. The winners of your leagues are probably making the most transactions because there's guys that you have to cycle through. And unfortunately, a tight end who hasn't played in four weeks, who's on a bye week, sometimes makes doesn't make the cut when a tough roster decision has to be made. I can sit here and preach and say it's stupid that he's out there in 44% of leagues, but you know, there's probably a lot of individual situations where I'd be like, oh, well, I, I, I guess. So, yeah, Goddard. I guess that should be the first name you type. I don't want to dwell on him too much, um, as I don't want to dwell on Ross Dwelly too much. I think, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, is Jordan, I've been down this Jordan Reed game a little bit, and he had that multiple touchdown game, I think, earlier this year. I'd almost rather have Jordan Reed, but I'm wondering if I'm falling victim to you know the name and not necessarily the, the usage and production, though I will think it will go up from this week. Yeah, I don't think Dwelly is that bad, um, but I think Jordan Reed is the better pass catcher of the group. Uh, sticking to our, our strength of schedule list, the Niners are actually the third highest group at list at ninety as well. So, like, if you were to make, if you were really to, uh, hurting a tight end, there's worse places to roll the dice, I think, than Jordan Reed and Ross Dwelly. Um, it's just a matter of guessing which one. We know Reed's extensive injury history as well, so Dwelly might be okay in a speculative pickup in certainly deeper leagues. Um, like for stake league, where it's a fourteen team league, but the roster spots are so limited. It doesn't make sense to have a backup tight end, but maybe in the NFFC, if you're out there playing, mm-hmm. Dwelly should be picked up. Um, even over, like I, I still have a, a Chris Herndon share for some stupid reason. Like, no, th- just don't Adios. do that to yourself. Yeah, I think a Ross Dwelly makes sense, especially with the 49ers rest of the season scheduled tight end position. Um, you got to go to Austin Hooper. Yes, I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say he's got to be the number one. Uh, well, I guess Goddard technically. I'd probably rather have Goddard over Hooper if it really came down to it. But Hooper's uh, roster ship here fell to 41 percent over the bye week. You know. Another you know, side effect of a team going on by and owners having to make really difficult decisions. Um, you know, the Harrison Bryant thing was fun while it's lasted. It seems they don't really, still don't really care for Njoku much. They're going to the tight end a little bit more without Beckham. Jarvis Landry, I think, has a really tough cornerback matchup this week. I don't know it off the top of my head. But for whatever reason, I remember reading that. Well, here. it could be Bradley Roby, who is unavailable for the Texans this past week. That would be my my one thought. Uh, yeah, that's that might be what. But I we said. don't know what Roby's status is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes a difference. I mean, like Cooper, yeah, I, I think it's – the problem is if you don't have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, do you really have a tight end this year? I mean, like that's that's an issue right now where people are struggling. And we could normally say Mark Andrews can be confident. Well, that can't happen. Uh, we have George Kittle out for the year, essentially. He can't be available. You're really struggling. And the fact that everyone is struggling, essentially, in your league at tight end means that you can kind of get by with whoever you want and maybe Austin Hooper – like Austin Hooper doesn't do anything more than Hunter Henry, who's got back-to-back weeks with four catches for 33 yards. Austin Hooper doesn't do any better than uh, like a Dalton Schultz, who uh, keeps getting four for 50. Like that's that's mm-hmm. the same range. So you're splitting hairs with all those yeah. guys. I feel like. And then you go after that tier. You're looking at like the the, the Mac Collins, Jordan Aikens type tier, where you just hope they catch a touchdown for the Mac Collins is a wide receiver. Mac Collins? Oh, who's the Dolphins yeah. guy that's not Jacecki? Mike Jacecki. Oh, wait. No, oh. there was a guy that wasn't... The, the telecast said Jacecki scored like multiple times and they kept <laughs> saying it over and over and then the producers kept chiming in like, nope, nope, not Mike Jacecki. Different, oh, different man. Dolphins guy. Uh, oh, Alfred oh, oh, Holland? A- Adam, uh, Adam Shaheen. The, the, the second round pick for the Bears. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not even the guy oh, I was thinking of. So, <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so this just this conversation we're having illustrates the disgustingness of the tight end position this year. And it, oh, geez. Oh, it was Matt Collins. I guess he must just be a big body. I thought he was a tight end. 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, this that's is, what happens. I mean, he's 6'4", 220. Yes, so yeah, for sure. That's a tight end body for sure. That's what happens when I watch Red Zone all day. I get like 100 <laughs> different flashes of memory and, uh, you know, have a tough time stringing it together. So, okay, they actually not a tight end. completely different. How could, they can, how could the broadcast confuse Mac Hollins with Mike Jasicki? I, I do not know. I think their number starts with an eight, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, red Zone, you can do better than that. It wasn't Red Zone. It was whatever local oh. TV broadcast they gave that Miami game. That must have been the B anyway. team. That's yeah. who I'll do all the Packer games. All right, whatever. Fine. So Austin Hooper is a name. Um, Irv Smith is, I guess, a name as well, too. The problem is he, he just catches touchdowns. I mean, he caught two touchdowns this past week on, on four targets for 10 yards. They were both very schemed, red zone efficient things. Uh, in weeks five and six, he had four catches back-to-back weeks, but otherwise has only had one catch uh, in any game. Like, that's that's his max. So, like, I don't know. He, he plays the Bears this week, the Cowboys, Panthers, and the next two weeks afterwards. Those aren't great matchups. They're yeah. not that bad ones either. I, I, I'm out. I don't I don't think Irv Smith is really a super rosterable guy. Mm-hmm. It, it was also really weird this is the first week all season that tyler conklin had more snaps than him and part of that was maybe a little bit of a blowout i mean he's he's been up for the most part in the at least 60 percent in every game except two so far this year and rudolph is still out there on the field for more often so again touchdown dependent and you have to be ready to take a zero uh, you know as prepared you have to be as prepared to take a zero as you are to get eight points from him catching a touchdown that week yeah um, from a dropping perspective, Jack Doyle, I think he's out for me. Um, he probably won't play Thursday as well, but I think Trey Burton's kind of surpassed Jack Doyle. There's no reason mm-hmm. to keep him on your roster. And Moelle Cox is back. Yes, yeah, that too. And just like Chris, excellent rebounder, Chris Herndon, no reason that he should be available or on mm-hmm. anybody's roster as well. That's talking to myself. I might have been the last guy that was rostering him. So Doyle and Herndon are done. I was going to ask you though, is Robert Tanyan a drop? I mean, Tanyan didn't do anything against the Niners, and they mm-hmm. needed pass catchers the Packers did like, yeah. would you be dropping Robert Tanyan I think I had him in one 12 team league actually and I caught him already it was a short-term th- I forget what made me do it it was one of those tough uh tough decisions but I have no problem you know dropping him especially if you have at least one other tight end you're semi-confident in and you hit it right on the head you know they're starting to slowly get weapons back yes I know they didn't trade for anyone but I mean the, the Tanyan Sternberger splits becoming a little bit closer yes and now they're gonna get Lazard finally catching back some things and too. you know Valdez Scantlin didn't drop that one deep ball so maybe <laughs> redeem himself a little bit i just i don't know if there's enough volume going to bobby bobby t here to um he, to, and he know, is to a little touchdown dependent too the good news is the packers offense after the first quarter of the season or so were so bad in the red zone they've kind of found their way a little bit more and i imagine that gets even better with aaron jones now fully available to kind of run in between the tackles and get plays and i think we're gonna have jamal williams back from covid yeah and, uh, of course well, we'll, all, this, all this to say is tanya can still score touchdowns they do a lot of those play action bootleg mm-hmm. things moving the players like that's where tanya's value probably lies but that's the same thing that we just mentioned with irv smith who i'm saying stay away from so i actually agree with you i think tanya might be uh, a guy i'd be dropping which is crazy to say because he had that one big game but he's really done nothing else since so mm-hmm. let's move over to the defenses really quickly i think it's actually really good defensive streaming week um and and there's three key groups that you can go after so the eagles face the giants they are under 50 percent roster right now the eagles schedule actually looks pretty good for a couple of weeks if that was the case we know danny dimes loves to turn over the ball quite a bit our own jerry donabedian who does a lot of the uh streaming defensive articles on the site lists the saints as the top pickup this week because they are facing nick mullen and the niners 
I think uh, that it was a bit of an aberration. The Saints really coming out to play in a divisional matchup against the Buccaneers, and I feel less confident that they will do that against the Niners. Yeah, I have the Eagles as my first choice. Okay. I actually, in Vegas League, they were on a bye, and I, I held them through the bye okay. in anticipation of the matchup with the Giants. I mean, that's pretty much how confident I am in, uh, you know, it's like Charles Woodson saying Jay's going to give us the ball in, refer- in reference to Jay Cutler, <laughs> Jay Cutler. And, and the Bears here. I mean, Danny Dimes is going to give him the ball. Yes. It's just going to happen, whether it's a fumble, whether it's just a horrid interception. You know, maybe I'm still a little bit angry about his his complete refusal to look at Darius Slayton this past week. Yeah, I, I'll admit that irks me a little bit. But, yeah, so I have no problem ripping into him and, and the uh, Eagles definitely pass, starting the Eagles. The Eagles' pass rush has gotten a lot better, too. I think they've kind of mm-hmm. solidified. Fletcher Cox had a really good game this last time out um, in week eight because they had the bye week nine. But Brandon Graham has kind of been uh, silently really good. I've had to use him a few times in our IDP mm-hmm. league as well. So like that's how I'm aware of it. So I think the Eagles are my top pickup too. I actually have the Packers as my number two defense over the Saints this week. They play Jake Luton uh, and the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But after that, the Packers have Phillip Rivers and Nick Foles on the schedule. You can start the Packers as a top five defense for three consecutive mm-hmm. weeks yeah that's pretty juicy especially if we can get uh, Jair Alexander back here. yes he's pretty much the you know the key cog in that machine allows them to you know hit him in man coverage allows the rest of that defense to do a whole lot of things so so yeah I'm with you I actually bolded them as a choice that uh, that I would like to I mean the two from the whole list I made a big list but uh, you know Eagles are your first type but you know Packers definitely get in the mix there for sure. Um, and that's pretty much all I got as far as viable streamers here. Yeah, again, the fact that the Packers have the schedule where they are facing those three teams, um, the Colts and – oh, boy, I'm blanking on now. The Colts the Colts and who, – who? yeah, the Colts and Bears directly after those three straight weeks mm-hmm. is good. The Eagles have the Giants again this week. They have the Browns the next week, which I don't know, like maybe you could start with ba- – Baker Mayfield's – the roller coaster, right? There's mm-hmm. the ups and downs for volatility, it. but certainly you're not starting um, that the Eagles defense against the Seahawks in Week 12. So that's where I provide a little bit more reinforcement. Mm-hmm. The Packers defense is a top pickup this week. So yeah. yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, that does it for us on the show, the Tuesday Roto Wear NFL podcast. Again, please rate and review it. We've talked about it plenty of times now. Um, you can also get a 10 day free trial to the site by going to rotowear.com/pod. You can see that strength of schedule uh, uh, new part that we've added to the site itself. Uh, look at what we're talking about a little bit. Read plenty of the articles that we've been discussing as well. We have Kevin Payne's free agent article that happens every single week. That's kind of what we uh, look Two at. Two free agent articles a week. And now it happens Thursdays as well. We have another one on mm-hmm. Thursday, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, Mario's Corner Report, you know, you know Liss's being Liss. Yes. <laughs> hey, beating <laughs> the, East, the books, the, I should say. I, I mean, was going to say the East Coast uh, offense as yeah, well, there's, too. there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then if, if you have any other fancy questions, certainly feel free to tweet us at JB Fantasy Sports. Uh, for myself or Jake at Roto Jake, we've been getting a lot of those questions each and every week, more than I feel like we ever have had in previous times. So, yeah, kudos to it. you, the Come. listeners, for uh, sending them out there. So, anyway, uh, see you next week. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com code program.